0: And let me go YouTube, we are gonna go live on YouTube. All right. And welcome to the program. Charles Moskowitz here Monday through Friday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube being the flagship station, but probably about a dozen other live streams and just an expanding number of platforms that are carrying the show. Um, I I actually um, am welcoming aboard this new kind of a YouTube that was just set up and I got Mines and, 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 um, and Rumble and all these other things. You can check it all out at uh, CharlesMoskowitz.com. John Gist is my guest. John is um, a writer for the Catholic World Report. John, you have an article up there: "Art Versus Deceit on Poets, Copywriters, Truth, and Lies." Thanks for joining me, John.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you know, the use of language is is critical, obviously, in terms of understanding and perceiving. Uh, the elements of our society, that which is true and, and false. You know, this, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, the, in the biblical sense, the, the when, when the good Lord, the king of the universe gave, a, the first act was to give Adam and Eve the ability to speak, the ability to identify nature, to give names to all of the creatures of the earth. And according to uh, Judaic, you know, Midrashic understanding, and Talmudic understanding, it was at that moment that the soul entered into the human being and that we became images of God, that we became different from all other creatures because it was our ability to con- to conceptualize, to think cognitively, to gather information. And then em- emanating out of that came language and writing and reading and, and all of the means by which we can gather knowledge, integrate knowledge, understand the nature of our world and then build on that understanding to create better, better life and, and to create a, a better situation. So what you're talking about here, and this is something that goes, although also back to the days, I suppose at least uh, metaphorically of Adam and Eve, is an attempt to corrupt language. It's an attempt to tell untruths by changing the meaning of words, by twisting the meaning of words, so that they mean something else, and often that something else is something that's not really articulated openly and and in the in, in the sunlight. So, uh, John, give a little synopsis then uh, of your of your article for starters.
1: Uh, thank you for that introduction. That that grounds me quite a bit. Um, the article uh, basically is coming from the point of view that uh, the powers that be, the mainstream media, the uh, mainstream in general, the mass, uh, has seemingly succeeded to a large extent in corrupting our language. Uh, it, it still may be only a, a small majority of people that actually buy into this, but they own the airwaves, the mainstream airwaves, and they're, they're spreading this around. It's a, I think it comes from everything. I point to the Frankfurt School. Uh, it's some sort of uh, Neo-Marxism that's infiltrated, and they, you have to give credit where credit was due. They were persistent. They got into the colleges. They got into the schools of education, and now they're in our uh, kindergartens. And they're they're like the serpent in the garden. They are corrupting language, and they're confusing it with everything else. So, I think the 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 main and probably only thing left to do is to confront them at the everyday level, at a more practical level of existence. Uh, It's seemingly gone are the days. I don't know if you follow uh, literary journals at all, but I follow them quite a bit. And the the, what passes for poetry today is uh, astonishingly bad, for one thing, and astonishingly polemic and political. It has nothing to do with the pursuit of truth, as Heidegger uh, sort of famously suggested, maybe it's not the philosophers that can talk about truth the best. Maybe it's actually the poets. But from what I see, mainstream and by and large is they're not even attempting to do that. They're, they're, again, they're trying to corrupt language. So the, the article in and of itself is designed to say that, look, even the copywriter that everybody sort of sneers at, they're just in the market to make money and everything else. I think there's even a place for them. I think that there's a whole bunch of people out here that don't know what to do. I think we live in sort of desperate times, in a desperate time in our country. And one thing everybody can do is can employ language in a way that cultivates truth. Uh, and and when confronted and called names for doing such things, like I've noticed in, in, in my uh, in academia, just like in politics, if you if you call people out however calmly, however rationally, and you just go, I don't know what you mean, for example, like safe spaces. Can you, so we can discuss this term, can you define what this concept mean? What do you mean by a safe space? And in my experience, they won't do it. They said it's fluid, it's relative, it depends on context. Everything depends on the context of the moment. So we refuse to define it. Therefore, we cannot have a conversation. And if you try to force this into definition, you're whatever name of the day. You right. Know, you, the, end uh, up,
0: the, you end up getting the, you know, calumny and destruction rained on your head if you question it. And I think that. You, know, you mentioned something very interesting about poetry because poetry, right up till maybe the early part of the 19th century, was the primary means by which any civilization, whether it be the English or Chinese or Indian or any in the anyone in the world, would advance their language, would advance their, their studies and their culture, and that people studied poetry in that way. People understood, and because we're an English-speaking country we knew the poetry of shakespeare and of milton and of uh, wadsworth and of all the great you know the irish poets you know keats and and all of the great writers and thinkers of the times and uh, you know young people actually would learn to recite these poems and that they would be a very deep expression of of um, what life was like and, and an abstract expression of what life could be in, in these societies and I mean, it was somewhat replaced in the 19th century by the development of the novel, but that still was also a very edifying institution, the development of the great novel, like Cervantes and um, and, other, and Victor Hugo and other writers. And then this again was in, in whatever language was the language of any given land. And now pretty much those great writers and the great poets, they've been banished from the educational system. And they've been replaced by really mediocre, if not trivial, um, you know, polemic poetry. And, and in a sense, it's a, maybe a, 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 a microcosmic reflection of what's generally happened in our education system, which is that cognitive learning and cognitive independent thinking has been replaced by, by propaganda and behaviorism. You know the idea that every that school is to is no longer there to actually help and found a, give a person a foundation to think on their own, but it's becoming a a, a conveyor belt to create the, the sort of the human resource. You know the uh, you know the, the 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 clone of this um, this incoherent establishment. Now you mentioned the business about asking them to define what they mean by safe space. You know, that, that kind of also goes to this sort of relativistic um, view that whatever, you know, that, that there is no such thing as anything that can be identified. Everything is whatever you think it is. If you think it's this, if you think it's that, you can change your thinking on any given day, on any given moment, because you are, this, are the, loca, the loci of reality, that you, whatever is real to you is real, and that, therefore, if someone questions that, they are, you know, somehow, you know, backward and and bigoted and and ignorant and, uh, you know, that that they're not in tune with the fact that everything is subjective. There is no such thing as the ability to identify objective truths, whether it be concrete truths or abstract truths. Everything is whatever you think it is, whatever you say it is. There is no moral understanding that we can discover it's all whatever you know one wants to fashion at any given time that's the main ethos that we're talking about right now i think uh
1: i i, I agree and 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 at base it's nihilism defined right it's a uh, uh, it's the notion that there are no truths that the the universe is utterly meaningless it's uh, it's without meaning and it's without anything it's just it just is And I mean, it's very Nietzschean. I mean, Nietzsche can be blamed for a lot of things. And this is one of them is he more or less goes out and says that in uh, uh, The Will to Power, which was published after he was dead. But he does. He has this little fable where there was this clever little animal that invents knowledge in a meaningless universe. And the best thing you can ever do is create meaning for yourself and impose it upon this meaninglessness. The irony, of course, is that you're each one of us is a completely finite being, so our, the meaning we impose is fleeting at best and uh, senseless at worst, and it's just this nightmare, but this has become mainstream now. People really, they, they don't think that there's any such thing as a human essence. I mean, we were anchored in time from ancient time up till probably you're right, around uh, somewhere. There were others before Nietzsche, but he was the, really a big, a big cornerstone of, of just throwing this uh, the 20th century in our faces, that we've bought into this idea that we are gods is basically what this is suggesting, is each one of us is a mini-god. And if you uh, criticize that or say, no, we're just humans, you know, we're, we're we, there is something special about it. Like you say, we have language. And language can cultivate God's creation. That's that's the old story. That's that's no longer vogue, though. Now we all create our cultivate our own creation, even though they're all competing and they all cancel one another out, and it's all ultimately nihilistic. And uh, it's at a sort of at a crisis point anymore. That uh, uh, with the, this administration and the, that is just doing completely absurd absurd things. I mean. Uh, I don't want to go too off off topic here because it, it all does have to do with language. But the things they're doing, critical theory, is at base is is also nihilistic in the sense that and it eats itself because it claims it's philosophical in its approach, but then it it says reason is a tool of the oppressor, and and you can't be philosophical and not use reason at one time. You, you sooner or later this all has to implode. That's the only. Uh, that's the only out possible outcome at this point, I think. So, if we want to hurry that along, each of us, I think, has a responsibility to speak truth. And by that, I mean what we say and what we conceive has to have some sort of correspondence with the objective reality. It's it's a communication between subjective and objective. It's not purely subjective. If 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 if, if it was purely subjective, you could. Uh, where some of our relationships with existence, we're not, we don't exist on our own. We're not self-subsisting. We're not gods. We have to have objective reality to function.
0: Well, it's, it's again, the sin of the Garden of Eden that um, the, the serpent said to Adam and Eve, you can be as gods. You can replace God. You can overthrow God in heaven with rule by man. And, um, you know, you can know all things like what God does. And uh, that was the, the sin that they partook in. And that's why they were banished from paradise. And, uh, you know, when you say that they, they'll tell you, well, you know, my reason, you know, there is no such thing as reason. And, uh, you know, you're prejudiced to think there is. When they say that, they're imposing their own authority on you. You know, when they say that reason is oppressive, they are the oppressors because they're imposing their whatever it may be their view on others and uh, you know they want to replace actually the the um, you know the, the concept that i think it was it was best expressed by by our founding fathers particularly john adams in this case who was famous for saying that we are to be a government of laws and not of men that in other words the the, the it's the country was based upon the ascertainment of objective truths and of laws that were outside of the manipulation of people. And uh, you know there were imperfect laws, of course, we know because they continue to allow things that are you know, wrong, like chattel slavery, and, and we know that. But the, it, nevertheless, the, the objective was to ascertain these objective truths that exist outside of nature, that are outside of human manipulation, so that we can then order our lives based upon them and not therefore impose what we think is true on other people. And they're replacing that with the imposition of their particular viewpoint on everyone else. And you mentioned the, the critical race theory, that is a perfect example of this kind of, of, I would suggest fascism, this sort of tyranny, that instead of, you know, they're now going to impose these you know these I, I would suggest rather crackpot race theories on um, on society as a whole. when they tell us on the one hand that there's no such thing as reality and there's no such thing as truth, when you when you do that and when a person accepts that at some level, then naturally we gravitate towards seeking out some kind of truth because that's human nature. you need truth to survive any given day when you, Get out of bed in the morning. You need truth to know that you can walk. You know, this is just the nature of existence. And so if you take away a general understanding that there is such a thing as objective truths that exist outside of human manipulation, then we crave something to replace that. And they are fulfilling that vacuum by creating these new truths at a very intricate level So on the one hand, they're saying there's no such thing as truths. On the other hand, they are imposing a a set of truths that that are highly intricate and that are highly manipulated and subjective. And this whole race theory is exactly that. So they're gonna take a a legitimate issue like racial uh, disparities in this country, which do exist. We are a multiracial society. So thus we have, unfortunately, racial tensions. That's a, a bad side of human nature, but it exists. And they're going to exploit that by developing this intricate theory where everyone is put under a microscope to find some kind of a racist gene, you know, that, that, that somebody did something, looked this way. I mean, they, they have like use of the word, like, for example, you can't say brown bag lunch because that's racist, right? I mean, everything is put into this it's 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 an extreme construct that in a way they accuse people who are ultra-religious of having, and maybe they could make a case for that, but it gets into you know an extremely you know Byzantine and labyrinthine set of you know inarticulate, inchoate laws and rules and regulations that all all overlap each other and and it's it's really a a pure form of tyranny and it does reflect the types of tyranny that have popped up in socialistic experiments in the 20th century particularly the two biggest ones which were communism and nazism
1: yes and so i think uh sometimes i think that we overthink this our reactions to these people because uh, again you've hit the nail on the head with the well, they say there is no truth, and then they say this is the truth. So, I mean, they're, they're, out of the gates, they're they're incoherent. Right out of the gate of their argument, the uh, the the Ibram Kendi guy, the anti-racist, how to not be, how to be an anti-racist. There are no alternatives. It's a false dilemma, right? Uh, either you're a racist or you're an anti-racist. And if you claim that you're neither one you're a racist i mean there's just no it's a catch-22 it's in a a way joseph joseph heller would have a a blast with this stuff because it's crazy
0: well it's kind of it reminds me of like the salem witch trials in massachusetts where if you admitted that you were a witch you'd be executed if if you denied that you were a witch they'd throw you in the harbor to see whether you sank or swam and if you and if you said you know if you drowned then you proved that you were innocent I mean, it's, you know, it, it gets to be that kind of like a, a, a box that, that you're locked into. And we have to reject this whole thing, whole clock. We have to say no to all of it. And in a sense, if they're going to throw those kind of rocks at us, we have to stand up and, and let, them, let, let it fly, let the fuselage fly. And the more people that are willing to stand up, in a way, they're diluting the actual meaning of things like racial disparity. And they're, they're, in the broader sense, they are sidestepping the actual question of which public policies and which philosophies were most damaging to people of color. I would suggest that those, those philosophies were leftist philosophies you know, that destroyed and damaged the Black family, that damaged Black entrepreneurialism, that damaged the Black faith and the Black religion, that damaged Black education. I would turn the tables on them and say, let's open the talk up and take a look at what actually is racist in this country. Who was supporting, who, for example, was turning a blind eye last summer to gangs of people who were going into many black neighborhoods and predominantly neighborhoods of color and looting black businesses, burning black neighborhoods, the rise of murder in black neighborhoods, particularly of even including of children. Who was turning a blind eye to that last summer? The racists, mainly the same people who are pushing this agenda on everybody and creating this informal tyranny.
1: And this, it's all about, see if, when when you strip everything away and you say there's no objective truth there's no inherent meaning in the universe all that le- is left is a, all they really are after is power they don't really care about racism uh, they just want to be the ones calling the shots and on the top of the heap we're not the racist because we're controlling the narrative basically uh we've 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 gotten a long ways away from thinking that progress is slow. Okay, uh, freedom, racism, all this stuff—we're a lot further forward than we were during the '60s. Even I mean, we've come along. We, we the the going is slow. Progress must be gradual. There is a good, as, as Thomas Aquinas would put it. There is the ultimate good, God, and we're to we're not we're not gods. We're fallen. We're fallen creatures. But we have in our nature something of God that allows us to go gravitate towards the good if we'll only listen to the truth. And I think that's what poetry used to have in mind to a large extent. Even if you look at Homer, uh, who didn't have these. Uh, Concepts, the same kind of common concepts. He still had the the notion of a rette, excellence. So Achilles on the battlefield portrayed the whole notion of excellence, uh, and and it was a striving for something that is outside of you, pulled out of you, even there by the gods. The excellence was a relationship with the gods. But now we've turned everything into a social experiment. We wanted to create utopia on earth, heaven on earth. Uh, Augustine warned of this, you know, pretty pretty well in City of God, you're not ever going to create a heaven on earth. You can only mitigate the, the problems with human nature and it's slow going and it's never ending, but we, we tend to trudge forward, especially in America. Yes, we had slavery. We also had a civil war to end slavery. A lot of men died in the civil war to end slavery. Yes, there was racism, Yes, we had the civil rights movement. Yes, there's still problems, and we slowly trudge forward. You can't brainwash us. You can't tell us we have no human nature, and you're going to create it for us through a false through a language that doesn't correspond to reality at all. For example, the transgender dilemma that we're in. Uh, I think I, I still think people have common enough sense to realize that there are two genders, and if you if you let the boys. Running the girls' track meet. The boys are going to win the track meet. I, I was watching the news last night, and uh, I think Joyner is the fastest female ever recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2019, I think they said something like 72 high school male students beat that their- surpassed that record those are those have to do with objective reality we can't
0: we're getting into a hot potato obviously here john um, and you get into this again in your article here published in the catholic world report art versus deceit on poets copywriters truth and lies this is one of those subjects we have to tread carefully because now this is purged from youtube Um, so let's, let's, you know, choose our words carefully in this day and age, you can't talk about this, but yes, you know, there are differences between men and women, physical differences, not because one is better or worse than another. We're not, it's not that it's just that men have a, men, for example, generally have a stronger upper body strength, whereas women have a stronger mid to lower body strength for reasons that have to do with biology. And so, you know, th- this is something to talk about this now is seen even, you know, even recently, this was a given. Now it's, it's a, we're not allowed to mention the differences of the sexes. Now, I think that, you know, we were talking earlier about the changing of words and in order to scramble a, an objective understanding of reality. And you talked about the ancient Greek idea of logos, which is something that was embraced in uh, early Judaism through the translation of the Torah into Greek, the Septuagint, and then by Christianity in the form of St. John, the Gospel of of John. Um, And and that it is essentially an ordering of the universe and an understanding of the reality of God's creation and of existence, and that there is both a, a balance, a dualism maybe, I mean somewhat, not in the hard sense, between the supernatural, the creator of the universe, and the created, the universe that the supernatural created. There's a, mo- there's a point of demarcation there. And um, that this is being submerged by a blurring of the lines of that creation, that there is no difference between the most basic elements of that creation, that is, the human male and female, which the book of Genesis does clearly state that men and women are equal. It says that that um, God created men and women in his image, not just men, but men and women. So that's, that's a given. But once we know that and understand that, and that we are equal under the law, you recognize that there is differences, obviously. And yet to do that now is taboo. Um, I'm just, you know, I want to express because I actually don't have a lot of time today. So we're gonna do another program, but I, I was talking yesterday with Michael Shaw, who is a regular guest of mine. And I actually, his program does not run on YouTube. It's too controversial. So you have to see that on all of my other channels. But, but one of the things we did say, and I think it's okay to get into it, is that I have a thought that the, the transgender agenda, especially when it is being implemented on children, has to do with this idea of transhumanism and the transhumanist theory, which is something that was very embraced by Jeffrey Epstein and was big at MIT. There was this professor there who had to resign uh, because of his affiliation with Epstein. And they used to have a website where they talked very extensively about this. And uh, there's a connection with that and also the Kurzweil Institute The idea being that that based on the Darwinian theory of evolution, they're going to create a new species, a superior species. And that's what evolution means, to evolve, to become superior. There's no way around that, it's racist. Um, And and that this new species would be a combination of of a living human being with, with flesh and computer components that would be implemented into the body and that would monitor all aspects of a person's health and would create cosmic consciousness, something that is talked about in the occult, you know, uh, Blavatsky and the uh, Theosophists, uh, and was also one of the cornerstones of the philosophy of Nazism. And that this new man, which would have super strength, super health, cosmic consciousness, would live to be 200 or so, it would, it would replace the less involved human. And it would be similar to what the Nazis talked about when they mentioned the Ubermensch. Um, mm-hmm. And th- th- I think that the, the transgender movement is all about that. I think it's part of that. I, I haven't really thought through why I think that yet, but it seems to me that it's creating this new human, this new type of human being that that is basically genderless and that is, you know, kind of a a new it, it's something that had never existed before.
1: And I, I think that makes sense. I haven't really thought about that either, but I I certainly can see the connection. And it's further evidence of this will to power, if you will. And it's this will to create a utopia where we, the humans or the whatever the next, uh, you know, what they're called, control everything. They're godlike creatures. Uh, uh, And, and, you know, you hear stories of downloading consciousness that I don't think they're quite there yet, because we don't know what consciousness quite is. But my overarching feeling from our conversation today is what's really getting tamped down is the idea of excellence. So yes, there are biological differences between males and females, but they're complementary differences. They make the race to, as a whole much stronger when each people knows what role they're they're playing. And if you uh, back to the example of the uh, and this is I don't think this is that controversial. It's all over the mainstream news. Is the the putting the, the transgender boys on the girls' track team, for example, right? All that does is tamp down everything. Where's the ex? Where's the quest for excellence? Uh,
0: the, it, the destroys, it destroys women's sports. I mean, yes, it's, it, it's and it's, it's, it's uh, I think it's anti women. I mean, it's uh, you know, they're integrating the women's bathroom. I mean, it's not, you know, that women will have no more of a, um, a, a genuine space and it's something that women have fought for for a century i mean whatever happened to feminism anyway
1: well I, I i agree with that and and so there's i think that there's the good news is that we see people across the political spectrum taking pause i, I really do think that we're seeing people taking pause right now even, and go,
0: even biden apparently is backing away a little bit from this uh, it's just uh and, and, and during the hearings for Levine, I mean, it, brought, it was brought up that what about, uh, you know, giving chemicals and surgeries to children? You know, I mean, she was, he or she, they were all for this. But most people, I think, saw that this this is bizarre and that this is wrong. It's, uh, it's immoral. You know, children should be protected from these sorts of things. Now, if you're an adult and you want to do this, that's your business. You know, that's personal. I mean, if, if you think that works for you, that's fine. That's an adult conscious, uh, you know, volitional choice and a consenting choice by a person who's made a decision. But children should not be involved in anything like this. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, John, I, I, I do have to run. So can you let my listeners and viewers know where they can read your articles and any website? And we'll do we'll follow up in a week or so. I just I'm a little t- tight today.
1: Okay. I have a, more to say on this as well. So I'd like to follow sure up on it. And yes, you can read my articles. I'm in Catholic world report. Uh, I've had some stuff in new Oxford review, just a uh, Jack. Gist. It's mostly uh, accessible through the internet. Uh, not all of it. I'm starting a, i am starting I have a new website. I'm going to venture out of academia and try to do my part in the real world. I think and, uh, uh it's, Communications.com. and so this will hopefully be my last semester in the academia and i, I think i could do more good in the in, uh, i think i need to join the fight a little bit
0: good let me know if i can help with that
1: i, I appreciate that a great deal
0: all right john listen i want to thank you for joining me today and um, have a good afternoon thank you
1: thank you very much